Grab your mason jars, strap on that apron. It's time for Canning with the Diva. Making her mark across the globe. Teaching you how to safely preserve delicious recipes. Please welcome your host, Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva. everyone, it's Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Canning with the Diva. Today we're going to talk about canning ground beef and the many ways in which we get to utilize it. I'm going to share with you the recipe and the instructions to home canning ground beef. And pretty much this, what, what I'm going to share with you today is going to be relevant to whether it's ground venison or if you have bison elk, pretty much any red meat, you can ground and create this, this recipe. So whether it's store-bought or not, it's, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm also going to talk to you about ways in which to add a variety of flavors. Uh, we're going to talk about you know different spices, herbs, and vegetables you may use when you're home canning your ground beef. And then I'll give you a recipe for one of my favorite and probably most used spice blends that you can make at home. And you can use the spice blend recipe for pretty much anything, whether it's just cooking or other canning recipes. But specifically, if you'd like to pre-flavor your beef, I'm going to share with you uh, that recipe in today's podcast. And then also, I am going to share with you ways in which to utilize your home canned ground beef. Because it's fun to talk about how to get it into a jar. But now once it's in a jar, what do you do with it? right? That's that's actually the reason I created my first cookbook, which is Canning Full Circle. I wanted to create a, a cookbook that gave you ways to utilize your home canned goods, not just focus solely on the canning. Because I was getting a lot of questions from just friends and family saying, hey, I made the salsa recipe. It's delicious. But my goodness, I made so many jars. I just feel like I'm not going through it fast enough. And that isn't necessarily a negative, but I understand, you know, you can only have so much salsa on the end of a potato chip or excuse me, a a tortilla chip. So, you know, creating fun ways in which to utilize and cook with our home canned goods is just as important as learning how to can, right? So in today's episode, I'm going to share with you um, some fun recipes on how to utilize your home canned ground beef. And again, give you those recipes and instructions for how to get it into a jar and how to flavor it to your liking. All right, let's get started. So as I said earlier, whether you buy your ground beef, whether you raise your own beef cattle, or even if you like to buy, you know, a variety of different beef roasts and grind your own beef to make, you know, ground beef, you know, having it on hand for meal creation is is just such a blessing instead of having to run into run to the store every time you need to create a meal um, most of us by nature keep our ground beef frozen in the freezer and then we thaw it out and create our meal that's fine and dandy until you forget to take it out of the freezer the night before and now you're left scratching your head going, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to either rush this or find a way to quick defrost it so I can make dinner. And it just adds a stress level to an already stressful 
factor when we're going, okay, what do we make for dinner tonight? <laughs> so the beauty of having pre-cooked ground beef in a jar on your pantry shelf is, is huge. It's so huge. It takes out the, you know, remembering to remove it from the freezer. Uh, freezer life is a lot shorter with our foods versus home canned. So if you're forgetting that it's in the freezer, how many of us have done that? And I, and I have to raise my hand as well. You forget it's in the freezer. It's at the bottom of your deep freezer and you're taking it out going, oh my goodness, this was from two years ago. And you're either frying it up and feeding it to your dogs or you're throwing it out, right? So utilizing the variety of methods available to us for food preservation is huge. And home canning gives you that ready-made meal or ready-made food uh, so that you don't have to, you know, include all that prep work when you're already maybe short for time, you know. Um, home canning ground beef saves you that valuable freezer space and, and really does help you avoid forgetting something's in there and it getting freezer burn or, you know, starts to taste like the inside of your freezer. Now, what I'm going to go over with you today are simple instructions so that you can easily preserve ground beef in a jar. I'm going to give it to you very plain, okay? We're not going to season anything. And then what we'll do is we'll kind of talk about the variety of seasonings and spices, fresh herbs and vegetables, a variety of different things you can do based on how you intend on using it. So the reason I start plain is because if you're not sure how you're going to use it, because you want to keep it unseasoned based on, you know, you like to cook on your mood, right? So today you're feeling more curry than you are, um, you know, having an Italian seasoning flavor, right? So I want you to feel that you can take this off your shelf and craft it into whatever your heart desires. For those of us that kind of meal prep in advance or we already have a few staple recipes that our family loves, the second portion of today's podcast will definitely be for you because you'll be able to pre-season your ground beef based on your family's likings and you've already put some forethought into how you're going to use it in meal creation. But I'll give you all of those steps. Um, and then we're going to dive into the seasoning blend that I highly encourage you to make. It's an Italian spice blend and it's very simple. You just use all of your store-bought seasonings and spices. If you happen to be a dehydrator and you have these from your own herb garden, definitely use them. It's delicious. And you can make a double or triple batch ahead of time and store it in a mason jar in your spice cupboard so that way the blend is ready to go. All right, so get out your pen and paper. Go ahead and jot some of this math down. It's super easy. But what I'm going to share with you today is going to make you seven quarts or 14 pints of home canned ground beef. You're going to want to start with 14 pounds of ground beef. Now, I don't care what ratio of fat you use. Um, some of you prefer more lean meat. Uh, others, you know, you're just looking for a good bargain at the store. If you slaughter your own, you are managing how much fat is put into it. So you do what is best for you. Just know that the leaner the beef, you are going to run the risk of it drying out. Okay. It, you don't want a dried texture. So 
if you're going to use a 90-10, for instance, 10% fat, 90% beef, I would not drain it. So let's get into the instructions. Using a large skillet, I want you to brown the ground beef in batches until everything is cooked through. And when I say in batches, 14 pounds of beef is quite a bit. So you might want to just brown two pounds at a time. And as you're browning, go ahead and I want you to drain the excess fat. Now, when I say excess fat, it's because I want you to leave a little bit, especially for those of you using that 90-10 leaner beef. I don't even really want you to drain much of that fat. I want you to keep some of that in there because it's going to prevent your beef from having a very dried out texture. And many of us who have experienced that in the past can, can definitely say um, it's better to have it a little more moist because of the fat than it tasting like cardboard. And I, I don't encourage us to cover our ground beef with water once it's in a jar. It um, makes a very mushy texture. I know some of you like to do that. After you drain all the fat, you put water into the jar so that that way it doesn't get dried out. I personally don't like the flavor of that boiled ground beef. Um, so I just would rather use the natural fat. Now, if you are using lean beef and you've drained your fat and you want to add some, you know, fat back to it, you're welcome to add a tad bit of olive oil. Um, or if you're not seeing enough fat in the skillet, you may do so. You just don't want it dripping with, with fat. You do want to drain, like if you're using an 80-20 or a 70-30, where you've got 30% of it as fat. Um, you may even want to up the pounds to 16 pounds of burger because you'll be surprised how much of that weight is the fat. And when you drain it off, you're going to yield less. So I want you to keep some of this math in mind when you're either shopping or grinding your own beef based on what cut, you know, you're buying a top or a bottom sirloin, however, whatever you're shopping for. I personally like to grind my own meat. Um, when I have time, I think we all have been there, uh, right now I'm working on another book. So my, my schedule is quite, um, chaotic. So I am very blessed that I have a local, uh, family friend in the area that I can purchase my beef from. And, um, I shouldn't say he's a family member. My family and I actually buy from him, but I know how he treats his cows. I know what he feeds them. I know how well they're taken care of. And so when he has beef for sale, I'm usually one of the first in line. Um, so, you know, I don't have a sticker on mine that says 90-10 or 80-20. I just trust that what I'm getting is good quality and I watch it while it's in the skillet, right? Now, once everything is browned, I want you to fill your jars and I want you to use a funnel to try and keep as much of that fat or grease off of the jar rim. Um, I want you to hot pack it into each jar. And if you are using the math I gave you, the 14 pounds, and you have either seven quarts or 14 pints, it's because you're going to fit two pounds of beef into the quart jar and you're going to fit one pound of beef into the pint jar. So you may evenly distribute the beef. 
because I know once it's brown, it's going to be difficult to weigh. So eyeballing it is completely fine. And don't be afraid to tap it down using like your headspace measuring tool or the back of, um, what do you call it? The, a wooden spoon. Sometimes I'll do that, you know, I'll kind of tap it down. Um, the goal here is maintaining a, a good headspace. Fill it as you see fit, but you need to maintain an, a, what's called a generous inch of headspace. That's an inch and a quarter. So for those of you using a headspace measuring tool, you'll notice it only goes as deep as an inch. So you have to eyeball that quarter of an inch, uh, which is totally fine. But I want you to focus on evenly dispersing the ground beef after it's been drained, if you're draining you know, a lot of excess fat. And for those of you who have a fattier beef, you might only yield six quarts or 12 pints. So just keep that in mind. All right. Once everything is well distributed and you've got your headspace measured, you've tapped everything down so you're really packing it into that jar, I want you to take a warm washcloth. I want you to get it wet and then dip it in some vinegar. Um, don't be afraid of the vinegar. It's going to cut through all that grease. And I want you to wipe your jar rim with that vinegar. And while you're doing it, I encourage you not just to wipe the top. I want you to actually kind of wrap that washcloth into your thumb and your index finger. And I want you to almost like pinch the jar rim. And I want you to get inside the jar itself by a good quarter of an inch. And I want you to just work your way around with that vinegar, getting as much of that grease off as possible, getting all of it off, hopefully. Um, but then also you're creating a nice little vinegar barrier because when this gets hot in the pressure canner, what's going to happen? Molecules move. That grease is going to start traveling up the sides of the jar. We've all seen it. Those of us who have canned meat before, where does all the grease go? It usually resides at the top of the food. So that's why you're not only giving your ground beef a good, generous inch of headspace, which is an inch and a quarter, you're using vinegar to help combat that grease from traveling much further upwards to that, to that rim top. Okay. Once that's all done, I want you to go ahead and put your Put your lids and your rings on your jars, and I want you to get those in the pressure canner. These are going to process in a pressure canner 90 minutes for quarts, 75 minutes for pints. And depending on what type of pressure canner you have, you're going to start at 10 PSI if you have a weighted gauge, 11 PSI if it's a dial gauge, and that's at zero elevation. So depending on which type of canner you have, you know, you need to indicate then that 10 or 11. If you live in a higher elevation, you need to possibly increase that PSI to 15. So know your elevation. If you don't know your elevation, head over to my website at canningdiva.com. And I want you to then take a peek at a link that I have on there under safe canning practices. It'll be under resources. I give you the actual elevation chart. And if you don't know your elevation, I have a really good link in there so that you can locate your elevation based on where you live. So for those of you who didn't know what your elevation is, or if you're in high elevation, you can use that link in there to figure that out. Pretty cool. All right. So once everything is done processing, I encourage you to allow those jars to sit in the pressure canner for a good 10 to 15 minutes to avoid you encroaching that jar rim with a, a smidge of grease. 
we want it to kind of calm down and cool down before you pull that out of the canner and place it onto a cutting board to cool because we, we do not want the lid to not seal, right? We want every lid to seal. Okay, so let's talk about flavoring the meat. And there are a variety of different ways you may flavor the ground beef. Um, personally, one of my favorites is to just add um, onions and garlic and then sometimes some salt and pepper. If you would like to do that, because that's usually the foundation for the majority of the meals that you create using ground beef, I highly suggest dicing up two large onions. You want a total of three cups of diced onions. And it doesn't matter what kind. I like the red ones. They're, they're delicious. Um, I like how it seasons the meat. Um, I also like Vidalia onions because they're a bit sweeter. But red, white, yellow onions, it doesn't matter. You can use Spanish onions. Just make sure you have three cups diced. And then I use about four tablespoons of minced garlic. And when I, when I speak in terms of minced garlic, my tablespoons are heaping. <laughs> I love garlic, so I am not afraid of using it. Uh, I never take a butter knife and, and make sure that it's an even flat tablespoon of minced garlic. Mine is a heaping. Um, so for me personally, that's probably double. That's probably like eight tablespoons of minced garlic. But for those of you who just need a little bit of flavor, uh, you like the flavor of garlic, but you don't want to have, you know, too much of it. Four tablespoons is sufficient. And what I want you to do is I want you, while you're browning your ground beef in batches, I want you to add the onions and the garlic in batches as well. And you, with each batch, may add salt and pepper according to your flavor profile. Like, what do you like? What do you normally cook with? How much, right? And then once each batch is done and you're putting each batch into a large bowl um, or a stock pot, you can toss that with a large spoon and that'll also help blend all of the meat, onions, and garlic and seasonings that you're adding, okay? Another fun thing I will do, especially when I'm growing my fresh herbs and I have readily access to them and I haven't dehydrated them yet, they're fresh, I will snip off five to six, sometimes four, depending on what it is, various sprigs of um, fresh herbs. Now, when I say four, it's because if you're going to use rosemary and you're going to remove all those beautiful leaves and chop them up, rosemary is very pungent, okay? It's very strong and it's very strong fresh. So um, I haven't added more than four sprigs. If you really like it, knock yourself out and add more. Um, but I tend to add more sprigs of thyme and fresh oregano uh, versus the rosemary because I don't want to have any one flavor overpower. I just want it to be well flavored based on what I'm going to use it for. Um, another fun one I add fresh is like uh, a half a bunch of parsley, which usually winds up being about a half a cup chopped. And you may add that in batches as we did with the onions and the garlic. You can add it with the onions and the garlic, or you can just add the fresh herbs all on their own while you're browning the meat. Either way, you want to make sure that what I, these two uh, items I just mentioned are added while you're browning, because that is going to be the best way to disperse that flavor prior to processing. 
another idea, and I do this when I, well, I guess I'm being a bit lazy, <laughs> and I want to have it pre-seasoned uh, without much thought so that I can just quick heat it up and use it in like um, tacos or enchiladas. I use French onion soup mix. Um, it's already pre-made. You have all of the dehydrated or freeze-dried onions in there. Um, nice, deep, rich, you know, brown gravy uh, seasoning. It's it's delicious. Now, if you're going to go that route, or you happen to have some of the store-bought French onion soup mix in on your pantry shelf, go ahead and add a tablespoon to each quart jar and a half a tablespoon to each pint. And what I suggest doing is as you're filling your jar with the browned uh, beef, sprinkle a little bit of that tablespoon in there at a time. So that way it's kind of layered a bit and that'll help blend the flavor. But what doing it this way is going to make it a very strong flavor, but we're doing that intentionally. Okay, so it's not a negative. We're doing this because of how we're going to use it um, in meal creation and we want it to be flavorful. Okay. Now, those of you who've been patiently waiting and listening and wanting to learn about how to make that Italian spice blend, let's talk about that for a second. Because if you use a lot of ground beef when making chili and spaghetti, and you want to have your ground beef on the ready so that you can speed that process up, this spice blend is for you. Super easy. Like I said, you're welcome to double it, triple it, you name it. Uh, but what I'm going to share with you now is going to make a quarter cup worth of the Italian spice blend. And then um, I'm going to teach you how much to put into each jar if you want to season your ground beef. So go ahead and grab a pen and paper and let's go through these ingredients. And just uh, make sure they're all dried. Okay, they're not fresh. These are all dried herbs that you can grab from your spice cupboard. Okay, so let's start with four teaspoons of dried basil one tablespoon of dried oregano, two teaspoons of dried thyme, two teaspoons of dried rosemary, one and a half teaspoons of garlic powder, one teaspoon of dried sage, and a half a teaspoon of red pepper flakes. And what I want you to do is I want you to dump all of these into a bowl and I want you to whisk them together. I want you to evenly blend all the flavors. Now, like I said, this is going to make a quarter cup in total. And if you have one of those really cool um, ball uh, fresh preserving made, these really cool herb uh, storage jars, and they have like these, these flip tops on them so you can sprinkle it like you would a salt and pepper shaker, you may store this in that or you just may grab a jelly jar double the recipe, triple it, as I said, and place it in into a jelly jar with a lid and a ring and just keep that in your spice cabinet. All right, so now if you wanted to create this Italian spice blend and add it to your home canned ground beef, all you need to do is add one and a half tablespoons to each quart jar and two and a half teaspoons to each pint jar. And as I shared earlier, when you're hot packing the jars full of the ground beef that you've just browned and cooked through, um, go ahead and sprinkle a little at a time so that you're dispersing it well. And the reason I tell you to do this is if you throw the spices at the bottom of the jar, what's going to happen is it's 
when it pressure cans, the ground beef is going to become like one big solid mass and that's okay. It's not so dense that it won't get a proper heat transfer. Plus it's also pre-cooked before it goes in there. So you're good to go. But what happens is, is all those seasonings kind of stick to the bottom and then you have to scrape them out and you actually are leaving some behind. It, it kind of is unavoidable. If you put them on the top of your ground beef, unfortunately, what might happen is things get hot and active, right? When we're using a pressure canner and some of those seasonings might get up onto your dry rim, preventing a seal. And I don't want to see that happen. So just kind of mixing them throughout as you're filling your jar is a very suitable way to get everything in there. Or because I've pre-measured everything, this recipe, like I said, yields a quarter cup. You may disperse that quarter cup of the Italian spice blend into the batches of that 14 pounds of burger. And then as you're browning it, you can add some until it's gone and then mix it very completely into a bowl and then fill your jars that way. All right. I hope that this has gotten you excited. If you have your own spice blend, use it. Have fun with it. If you already know how you're going to use the ground beef, go ahead and season it as you're browning it, just as you would as if you're cooking, okay? There's no wrong way here. We are processing everything for the fullest time and temperature, which is 90 minutes for quarts and 75 minutes for pints. These dried herbs, fresh herbs, even vegetables are not going to cause any discrepancy or, or issues in the overall acidic value. We're already going as long as that, you know, we need to go. So you're, so you're safe there. Um, last but not least, how do you use it? What do you, what do you possibly do with all this, you know, pre-cooked home canned ground beef sitting in your pantry? That's the fun part. And honestly, the possibilities are endless. I rattled off just two, right? Earlier, spaghetti sauce and chili. Boom. Now you don't have to defrost the meat. You don't have to run to the store and buy fresh meat. You just take a jar off of your pantry shelf, pop open that lid, put it in your stock pot, heat it through, and just start creating your, your chili or your spaghetti. Okay. If you want to get a little more creative, I highly recommend heading to my website at canningdiva.com where I share some of these step-by-step -step instructions with you. And I have given a link to 50 creative ground beef recipes. One of my personal favorites, however, is shepherd's pie twice baked potato. I love using my home canned ground beef to make this. And I will do this using just one pint jar. And this will make enough of a meal for me and my family, which when my mom is visiting, you know, that's that's three of us. When my son is here, that's four of us. Boy, saying that out loud, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be an empty nester soon. <laughs> it just hit me. Well, the beauty will be I'll have, I'll be able to make a couple of these uh, potatoes and probably freeze them for later <laughs> when I'm all by my lonesome. But that is the beauty of home canning. I can control that amount. And uh, I think the hardest thing I'm going to have once my kids are gone is uh, cooking small. I, got, I, I don't know how to do that. So I'll be relearning how to cook things in small portions or knowing me, I'll just keep it large and pop the rest in a, in a jar and throw it in the digital pressure canner. <laughs> anyway, let's go into the recipe here because I, I like this one when, 
life is crazy hectic. We need something healthy, but we need something quick because we're all tired, right? We've had a long day. The last thing I want to do is run and buy fast food. And if I'm really pressed for time or I'm really exhausted, I, I want to run down to my pantry, pop open a couple jar lids, heat, eat, and go. So this shepherd pie, uh, twice-baked potato, you want to start with four russet potatoes. Scrub them really good on the outside. Um, definitely want to grab a pint of ground beef. If you are going to be cooking for more people, obviously scale this recipe up or down if needed, if it's less people. Um, I like to have, um, I, well, I typically keep red onions chopped up in a container in my refrigerator. So we'll use those on salads and whatnot. But if you would like additional onions, if you haven't seasoned your ground beef, you may do so. Same with green pepper, anything you want to see on your loaded baked potato. Um, I like to buy the bags of the smaller sweet peppers and they have a variety of colors. Um, I love using those. Otherwise, you know, red, yellow, green bell peppers, any, any pepper is going to be delicious. Obviously, you're going to want some minced garlic. I like to also throw on a pint of my kidney beans, and I'll rinse those in a colander, and I'll add those to this recipe as well. And then I highly recommend having on hand some cheeses. Now, Monterey Jack, or we, often, we gravitate towards Pepper Jack, actually, uh, in our household, Whatever cheese you like, cheddar, Monterey Jack, Parmesan, um, you'll definitely want to keep at least uh, a cup of shredded cheese on hand and a quarter cup of Parmesan cheese. You can't go wrong with cheese. And then as far as seasonings go, you are welcome to just add salt and pepper. I like to add a dash of cayenne pepper. And then um, my daughter is a paprika freak. She loves paprika. And I have a variety of paprikas in the cupboard. And she gravitates towards the Hungarian because it's a bit, bit spicier, if you will. But go ahead and get your oven uh, preheated to 375. And um, you're going to want to bake those potatoes. For those of us that don't use the oven, use the microwave. Just make sure you prick a few holes into your potato so they don't explode. And um, your goal is to cook them all the way through. So however your microwave works, if you're using the traditional way and you're using your oven at 375, it's going to take about an hour. When I don't have an hour, I'm using the microwave. <laughs> now, once the potatoes are cool enough to handle, you're going to want to cut a thin slice off the top of each potato. Um, I just discard that piece. And then you're going to scoop it out, leaving a nice shell that can still stand up on its own. So I don't get, you know, I, how do I explain this? I give it like a good quarter of an inch away from the outside, the, the peel, so that there's a, at least a nice uh, boat, if you will, a potato boat. And it's not going to collapse on itself. If you scoop it out too heavily and it's too thin, it winds up being a real pain to refill. Now, because we already have the beef cooked, right? We're going to pop open a jar. We're going to place that cooked beef into a skillet. We're going to get it hot. We're going to add all of our vegetables. We're going to add those kidney beans. Um, I highly recommend a fresh tomato 
If you want a thicker tomato base, I would add a couple tablespoons of tomato paste. It's your call. You can get as creative with this as you want, or you can just keep it simple. And then go ahead and add your salt, your pepper, your dash of cayenne, and paprika. And you're just going to basically heat everything through. You want to make sure the kidney bean is heated all the way through. The beef is already cooked, so we're just, our focus here is not browning and cooking. It's just heating it through. And then all that potato that you scooped out, you're going to mash that. I like to add a little bit of butter, okay? If you want to get out the hand blender, you may do so. Um, we like it a little chunkier, so I will often just mash it with a potato hand-held potato masher, and I'll throw in some butter. If you want to get really creative, feel free to add some sour cream. Um, but this is also, once it's mashed, where I'm going to add some of my cheese. So I'm going to add a half a cup of my shredded cheese, and I'm going to add half of that Parmesan cheese, which is an eighth of a cup. And now I'm just going to mix that in with the mashed potatoes. And then what we're going to do is we're going to put a little bit of the meat mixture into that potato shell. And then we're going to add a, the balance of it with the potato mixture. And then once they're all full, you're going to sprinkle it with the remaining shredded cheese and the remaining Parmesan cheese. Okay. Place that onto a baking sheet. And then now you're going to pop it in the oven. This is, this is your, the bulk of your time because I'm sure most of us are going to gravitate towards uh, using the microwave for those potatoes. <laughs> um, but the oven is essential, so definitely preheat it to 375, even if you're going to use the microwave, because you're going to want to bake these. This is, this is the best part. It's going to heat everything inside that potato, blend the flavors, melt the cheese. You're going to need 20 minutes is all. And then once they're done, go ahead and let it sit for a few minutes before you serve. Sometimes we'll we'll add some additional onions on top. Chives is another good one. My daughter loves to put another sprinkle or two of paprika on the top. You can't go wrong. And the reason I think we like this so much is, is as you can tell, it was customizable. It's kind of fun to, to have a bunch of... Um, you know, beans and vegetables and seasonings kind of all sitting in little bowls and you, your family gets to kind of create their own. The beauty of the, the meat being cooked, there's been times we've skipped the step of, of putting it in a pan first to heat it through. And I've just gone ahead and um, pulled it out of the jar, kind of chopped it up a bit because again, it's going to be one solid mass. So you're going to use a spoon and just kind of break it up a bit or a fork. And then we fill all of our bowls, our potato bowls, the way we want, and then add the mashed potato on top and throw it in the oven. And we just keep track of whose is whose. And that way you have your own personal potato. The Taste of Home website calls it a shepherd's pie twice baked potato, probably because of, you know, they add a bunch of mixed vegetables and different things. But um, we really have found it to be less shepherd's pie and more our own, you know, personal baked potato, twice baked potato. So I hope I have given you some inspiration and some ideas on how to utilize your home canned ground beef or venison, because you can make that with venison, your bison, your elk, whatever you want, whatever you are gravitating towards when it comes to your ground red meat. Enjoy canning it and enjoy cooking with it.
As always, I hope you follow me on social media. We have a fun time on Facebook in our private group called Canning, Dehydrating, and Long-Term Storage. We have over 50,000 members. It is a wonderful group. We do a lot of applauding new members uh, who are posting their, their successes or even their questions. It's a great place to share recipes. It's a great place to show images of what you've been up to. So be sure to head over to Facebook, check out the private group, Canning, Dehydrating, and Long-Term Food Storage, and join us. It's been a blast, and we have a lot of fun things in store for 2023. So thank you all for tuning in. I look forward to being with you next week. Happy canning. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Canning with the Diva. For tips, recipes, and techniques, please visit us online at canningdiva.com.